Well, again, welcome, welcome. Uh, we are in the book of Acts. Uh, if you've been around, we've been studying that book by looking at different snapshots or pictures of things going on in that New Testament church. And uh, we're going to look at a painting, a canvas idea today of, of what was going on in the Apostle Paul's life, particularly the idea of how do we, what does it mean to make disciples, to be disciples, and what can we learn from this incident? Before we read that, it's, on, it's in chapter 14. We'll be looking at verses 19 through 23. This is following an incident where Paul and Barnabas uh, did a miraculous healing in the name of Christ, and Paul was having a reputation already that was good, but it was also upsetting some people. Before we look at that closely, I, I just want to ask you a little bit about your own experience with art museums. You ever been to an art museum? Have you ever walked through some of those places that are pretty incredible stuff that you see? Um, so when was the last time you visited a museum and you really look closely at the paintings? I, I have, in the past, we haven't done it recently, but I've especially loved going with Bev to some of these art uh, museums. Her, her major in college was art, so she has a background in that. She has that creative flair. She loves to see things. I can't see, and um, we're and it was really it's really been fun and and challenging. But I had to learn early on because my approach was I'd go to these incredible places and see these paintings, and I would almost look at it superficially. I I I I try to find some comic relief. I I pretended I was playing Where's Waldo and just kind of look <laughs> look at the little paintings and try to find something funny about them. Um, and Bev would lovingly say, "That's not what the painting is doing." <laughs> Let's look, look at this. Look at what the artist is. And I got a quick lesson in art that kind of really helped me appreciate it. And I've actually grown to appreciate more the works of, of artists like Monet and Rembrandt and Rockwell and, and just unbelievable things. The more you look at it, the more you're drawn to it, aren't you? And, and you begin to feel certain things depending on the scene. Now think about it. It, it really is amazing that lifeless material like paint on canvas can produce an emotional response. It's just paint on a piece of paper. But it does something to you when you really look at it. My superficial approach can often cause me to miss what was really going on in the painting. The artist wants to communicate, not simply entertain. He wants us to think about something. You know, that can often happen, that too often happens in how we approach even the scripture. We can look too superficially or, or too quickly and we fail to see what was really going on. And the picture we'll see this morning, it has no hidden characters or secrets. But please don't miss the vitality of true discipleship that is being depicted by the author Luke. So here now... God's word, Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 23. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium, 
and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed to them, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. We're looking now at, at how Paul is living out this faith. Last week we talked about his conversion. You remember a radical thing from a radical religious man who was changed in an instant. How is he living out this new faith in Jesus that he discovered? And as I alluded to here, uh, days before, he and Barnabas were being touted as gods because of a healing they performed in Jesus' name. But it seems like some in the same crowd now were joining the Jews in trying to kill him. What was going on in, in this painting? What do you see and what do you feel in this incident in the life of Christians in the early church? Look close. Don't just look at the stones or, or the people or the words, but if you look closer, you will see some of the true essence of Christian discipleship being lived out right in front of your face. Uh, again, there are many things that could be said regarding this, but there's one filter I want you to have before you that I suggest you use to look through as we look at this painting, at this, at this picture that Luke gives us. And it's simply this, to make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. To make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. The power of a life lived out daily for Jesus, I think is one of the most triumphant and significant tools to be used in making disciples. So we're going to analyze this passage or this painting in three ways. And I'm going to use some alliteration to help you pay attention to me and follow with me, okay? Three things we're going to talk about here to remember. To live out the Christian life as a disciple or follower of Christ, we are called to endure, we are called to encourage, and we are called to entrust. We are called to endure, to encourage and to entrust. The best way to make a disciple, you want somebody to really be a disciple of the gospel of Christ, is to live a life of endurance in the gospel. Endure. Again, don't just go with your first impression, but look again at this incident. To endure is not just to put up with something that's going wrong in your life. Rather, it's the essence of the whole of the Christian life. To endure is to persevere, to stay on course, no matter what. You know, every day is a challenge, isn't it? To keep your eyes on the one you are following. Jesus' primary call to his disciples was not to perform, but to follow. I want you to follow. I don't ever want you to take your eyes off of me. Listen again to Jesus' classic call to you and me as Christians in Luke 9. He says this, if anyone would come after me, that means be his disciple. 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Endure. Yet our passage opens in verse 19 with a clear challenge that Paul had to endure, doesn't it? He gets right to it. Think about it. Probably some of the leaders that, that Paul had been with when he was persecuting the Christians, some of those leaders, it's very possible, were now leading the crowd to kill him in the same way he watched Stephen die. Paul, you were a part of us, but now you're not. You're betraying. You're going to get what Stephen got. He had, Paul had to endure, think about it, he had to endure stones being thrown at his head and his body in the name of Jesus. You know, for a Christian, endurance is not simply a good idea once in a while. It really is to be a lifestyle, to endure. Every day I am enduring to be, uh, every day I am to be enduring or preserving persevering. Let me try that again. Every day, I am to be enduring or persevering for Christ's sake and his glory. Whether it's stones thrown at my head or words that pierce my heart or struggles with people and depression, I must endure. And Paul even reminds the believers in verse 22. Do you see what he says about the Christian life? He says, remember this, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Look closer, friends. Look at that painting. Don't just walk away. What happened after Paul endured this great trial almost to his death? What happened? He got up the next day. (laughs) He went into the city and he preached the gospel. Now, if I were Paul, I just got stoned and left for dead and drugged back to my home. I think I would call on my friends and I would go on and on describing what I had to put up with physically, emotionally, and personally. But he went on living (laughs) And making disciples. I think Paul should have milked that, wrote a book about it, and turned it into a movie or a TV series. Paul, that would have been great. Tell us how it felt. What was it like? Stop for a while, Paul. He said, no. He got up the next day. He started preaching. The, what are you doing, Paul? I'm enduring. I'm persevering for Christ's sake. Friends, a word of caution here I think we have to be aware of. It's simply this, is God truly honored when you and I put up with something or someone while harboring bitterness in our soul? I've heard too many Christians over the years, professing Christians, say something of this sort. My cross to bear is my insensitive husband or that nagging wife or those unruly children or that ignorant boss, but I'm putting up with them. (laughs) but I wish they were dead. But God is honored because I'm putting up with him. Really? Is that biblical endurance? Just sucking it up and putting up with? Did Jesus put up with us? Really, is that what it means to take up the cross of Christ? Friends, go back. 
Go back and look at the painting of the crucifixion and look again. Your identity is not in your tribulations. It's in your Savior. Stop looking to other things. Look to him who is in the midst of that and what he did for you and me. Let's endure for all the right reasons. So that's one way to make disciples. You endure. We see what Paul did here. Another way to make disciples is to not only endure, but it's to encourage. Encourage. Uh, This is perhaps my favorite word in all of Scripture, and especially in the New Testament. The Greek word is actually two combined. It's a combined word. The word for in Greek is parakaleo. Para means simply coming alongside. Parachurch, paramilitary. We see how we use that all over the place. It's coming alongside. Kaleo means to call. Coming alongside, calling alongside. That word is even used to describe the person and work of the Holy Spirit. He is our comforter or paraclete. One who calls himself alongside, he is our advocate. One author describes encouragement this way, the importance of encouragement biblically. To encourage someone, he says, to encourage someone is to give them courage. When somebody encourages you, what does that do to your soul? Really encourages you. Don't you find yourself saying, I think I want to take Jesus a little more seriously. I think I want to step out a little bit more boldly. I think I want to be what, because that person really encouraged me. God used them. Friends, encouragement is a necessary and vital means to making disciples of Christ. And Paul was always doing this with believers. And again, you can feel as well as see it described in verse 22. What does Paul say they did? Strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them continue in the faith there's nothing better that can be said to you in the midst of of struggles sometimes than jerry hang in there keep your eyes on jesus he really is with you he loves you in spite of what you're going through that can refresh your soul that can speak to you in a way that really makes you want to be a better follower of christ Friends, Paul was not doing this in some feel-good pep rally. What do you and I as followers of Jesus need? What do we need to be reminded of daily? I'd boil it down to two things. What do we need to be reminded of, encouraged in? One is the promises of God. To hear the truths of God's word, words and statements like this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and on and on and on. The other reminder I think is important for us is the power of the Holy Spirit himself. We have the same power source that Jesus had. If you have the Holy Spirit You have Jesus literally with you. What a paraclete. What an encouragement. Friends, there is an incredible power when believers encourage one another in the promises of God fulfilled in Christ. 
and in the presence and power of his spirit. But again, I feel like I have to bring a word of caution or stop in the midst of that painting and look closer. Here's what I want you to think about. My concern is this. Many of us today, many of the greatest, one of the greatest weaknesses, I think, in the Christian church today, I think is a lack of biblical encouragement. (laughs) where you legitimately are caring and trying to build someone up in Jesus, another brother or sister. We often see it as a luxury. Nice if you have time to get it, but I don't have time. It's not a luxury. I believe it's a necessity. So much so, I'm going to give you an absolute statement that I think I can support biblically. We'll do that another time. Here's my statement. You will never be what Christ has called you to be unless you are daily encouraging or being encouraged as a disciple of Christ. You will never be what God wants you to be unless you care enough to encourage another brother or sister in Christ almost on a daily basis, unless you yourself are being encouraged in the things of God. You cannot live your life alone. It will kill you. (laughs) You will not be what God's called you to be. We are missing that. I believe, in the Church of Christ today, the way we should. Enough for that commercial. A final, a final way of making disciples is not only endurance and encouragement, but it's entrusting. It goes without saying that it first involves us giving over our lives to Jesus, to entrust, to give our lives to him. We entrust him with our souls to do whatever he wills. And you cannot make disciples of Christ if you are not first a disciple yourself where you know you have, you've given your life to Jesus and you want him to take your life and do whatever he wants with it. That, that idea of entrusting is a powerful thing, but it's hard to conceptually get a hold of. What's the most precious thing in your life? You can say, I trust God with it. That's one thing. But what does it mean to actually entrust Most painfully and powerfully, I saw that a few years back when I was ministering to a young mother at CHOP. Her her child was born with a serious heart defect and looked very clearly like this child was not going to live. Pain, tears, crying. She's saying, Jerry, I'm trying to trust my child to God. And as we talked about it, the reality came to me that what she was saying is, I trust God in general, but he's asking me to take my baby and give it to him. Trust him with that baby. Do whatever you want with my baby. What does it mean for you to entrust your life to God? God, take what's most precious that I can't live without. And God, you do whatever you want with it. What does it mean to entrust yourselves to Almighty God? You cannot be a disciple apart from that. But what immediately follows then, I think, is a mutual entrusting of ourselves to one another. This is really not some obligatory putting up with each other. But it's a genuine desire to love one another in Christ because of Christ. 
Friends, the more you and I can live this way, the more others will want to be like us as we strive to be like Christ. How does that work for us to encourage one another? Here's a couple ideas. It's simply, it could be as simple as this. Go to a fellow believer and honestly ask them to pray for you. I'm struggling with such and such. Would you pray for me? I have this before. Would you trust someone with the concern you have? Ask a brother or sister to honestly pray. But it could also be this. It could also be as significant as confessing a sin to a brother or sister. Can I be honest with you? I have done something I should not have done. Would you pray for me? Would you help me? I'm trusting you to help me deal with this struggle I'm dealing with. That's a powerful thing to actually trust somebody with your struggles. That's hard to do, but it is necessary for us as believers. Friends, look again at the beautiful picture in verse 23. What is Paul saying here? Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord, entrusted them in whom they had believed. Paul was entrusting the souls of these believers to those elders who were set apart. Look again deeper at this picture, this painting, friends. And I want you to feel as well as see what was happening with prayer and fasting. These men probably were on their knees, prostrate, crying out to God, asking the Lord to have his way with these souls. These elders were not arbitrarily selected, but with sincere devotion and seeking the Lord, they were called out to watch over the souls of these believers. We're going to learn more about the origin and calling of the office of elder later, but suffice it to say, elders carry a heavy responsibility of shepherding the souls of a particular flock. Oh, friends, the best thing you and I can do for one another is to daily pray for one another and entrust each other to the Lord. It's not a luxury. It's a necessity to be a disciple of Christ. So why then, honestly, why is it so, so many of us are so weak and weary at times when it comes to making disciples? In studying for this, I was struck by one simple sentence a commentator made about this particular incident. Listen to what he says, his observation about this incident. Quote, wicked men often show more zeal in opposing the gospel than professed Christians do in advancing it. Hear that again. Wicked men often show more zeal in opposing the gospel than professed Christians do in advancing it. Why don't we care enough to follow with the zeal of the Lord? Well, in conclusion, we want to think about a number of things, but the application of this call to make disciples, I think, is somewhat clear, isn't it? We need to be a people who endure, who encourage, who entrust. 
Yet there's one more challenge to consider. And, and I'll use that painting metaphor again and ask you to take a closer look. If your life and mine were depicted on a huge canvas painting, what would people see if, if one big painting represented your life or mine? What would people see when they walk in that museum and look close at your picture, at your painting, at your life? I think for many of us, honestly, many of us, that painting would be filled with symbols and, and people in different seasons of life. Yet I fear our identity with Christ would be somewhere off in the corner, symbolized by some religious icon. The viewer might have to play their own game. Where's, not Waldo, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? I'm I'm looking for him. I can't really see him. In trying to understand the place of our faith, instead of having our lives flow out from Christ, he too is often just another wonderful part of life and not central to our lives. A good artist makes you come away with a bottom line. (laughs) What are you thinking about this? And a good Christian would have a painting in their lives where a person would say, this person's life, everything seems to be connected to Jesus. And it's not an add-on. It's their very lives. The Apostle Peter put it this way. Whoever lacks these qualities of Christian life and growth, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. In other words, friends, the believer has taken his eyes off the cross. If the person and work of Jesus is not central to your life, then not only will it be difficult to make disciples, but it'll be difficult to be one as well. You take your eyes off Jesus. You take your eyes off that cross. Then it's got to be a game you play. It can't be your life. So my friends, the simple challenge for you and me is this. Go back to the painting. Go back and sit at the feet of Jesus. Look again at the canvas of his life. Look again. Look again. Look again and watch as you see him seeing you, loving you. Watch what he does to you and through you for his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you again and again that you have come to us and you have endured, not put up with, you endured your love for us. And you have encouraged us by your power and by your spirit and by your word. And you have entrusted your son to us. You have given us everything we need. Oh God, make us a people who don't want to just make a picture, but show the living Jesus in how we live and move and have our being. God, do that even this day and this year in this church. For Jesus' sake, amen.